so we are live in episode. I want to say fifteen. It might be sixteen. I'm notoriously shitty for knowing. I'm not. I'm not counting. On. Yeah. And I'm here with Cameron. Last name Green. Green, owner of co-owner of Kettle Drums and McThirsties. Yes. And uh, if I want to steal a little bit of branding from your website, Kettle Drums is an upscale casual dining. I, yes, we like to kind of look at ourselves as casual fine dining, more than just that sort of special date, special occasion, and Valentine's Day, just getting into uh, kind of like the perfect dinner party that you're looking for in the perfect setting. I mean, whenever you have a dinner party, you're never going to have time to make every meal the way you want to, and then you have the, the setback of trying to make sure your place looks nice and presentable. Uh, we take all that guesswork away from you and uh, try and make it into a welcoming atmosphere that you can entertain and hopefully we can entertain you at the same time. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hosting the podcast for the second time in a row, actually. We mm-hmm. were here last week with Mark Ross uh, of Living Yoga and he also runs meditation groups and uh, that was one of the best podcasts I've ever recorded and big part of that is uh, having a great place to record it. So I wanted to say Wonderful. thanks for I mean, hosting. No, no <laughs> pressure for this one. I'm, I'm glad, you know, a follow-up to the best one you've had is, yeah. uh, you know, no peaks or valleys. Just well, just all the way, like, all it's the way just up. a constant, oh, it's like a rocket with this thing. A rocket. Every okay, podcast okay. I record is the best one ever. All right, great. I'll, so do, the, I'll do the best I can. <laughs> shoes to fill. We were talking before I hit the record button on this, and I'm just going to make sure that it is indeed recording. It looks like it is. That uh, you and your partner, sorry, Reggie? Yeah, Reggie. You were talking about the creative aspect of being an entrepreneur. Well, Can we pick up from, from where we left off? Yeah, for of? sure. Uh, I, I mean, kind of the, the, the sort of concept of entrepreneur and the, the three sort of ways of like the idea of running a business where there's the day-to-day running the business, which... I don't want to say it, it has its exciting points, but it, at times it can kind of take you away from uh, the thing that I think we post, per, both are personally more um, drawn to, which is the, the creative side and I guess in some ways expansion or diversification or however you want to put it. But there's a lot of kind of fun things you can get into and, and that's kind of what draws us to self-employment and entrepreneurship because there's nothing really stopping us from doing whatever we want to do other than really just ourselves doing it. So... so can we talk about the genesis of this relationship? The genesis the, of this relationship. The, the, the cocoon. The cocoon. The, the dual cocoon, two peas in a pod that somehow turn into butterflies together. A double <laughs> I, butterfly. Yeah, a double butterfly. Like a double-decker butterfly. Is a unique way of putting it, I suppose. No, I mean, Reggie and I, uh, we met in kindergarten in uh, oh, Coburg, wow. Ontario. Oh, so it started way back. I suppose. Uh, we were kind of a group of, like, four friends, and we sort of grew up. His parents live, like, basically two square blocks from my parents so we grew up together uh we both went to guelph university and as i said we're a part of like four different like a group of five friends and four or five friends and we're basically all kind of like these like <laughs> i don't want to say like a group of our own but just kind of went around and had like our own sort of way of doing things and however you know elementary school and high school and university leads you and then uh he went for to guelph for hotel and food administration and i did finance at guelph so uh, that's kind of where things, I don't even want to say things started off. We always just sort of hung out and drank together. And then one day, uh, after graduating, we found ourselves, um, I guess, living at our parents' house. And we just, this is going to make us sound like alcoholics. We just, <laughs> we just drink every night. And then uh, we right, joke that's around what's, about that's like. That's what it's like after school. 
well, for a lot of people. Because there's like that lull where you don't know what you're going to do. Totally. And you just like I end was up... a degenerate during that time and I'm still fighting like out of that. <laughs> Honestly, it's like... <laughs> to be a positive, like contributing member of society or at least to be perceived that way. It, it scares <laughs> me because we're rounding like our 10 year anniversary of being like self-employed together. Mm. And so it's, it's weird because like 10 years ago... I don't feel like I'm that much older. Other than, like, visually, I've aged horribly. <laughs> I don't even like to think about that. But in terms of maturity-wise, I mean, I have a few more bills to pay. But other than that, there's still kind of the same idea of the Not things that we is, laugh yeah. at. But mm-hmm. So we joke around about different businesses that we could open up and ones that we found funny. And uh, everything kind of starts off as something that we'll, like, laugh about. Because wouldn't it be ridiculous if, like, we opened up a chip truck? and named like the burgers after ourselves. So then all of a sudden these like people were ordering like Reggie burgers and we thought that was like really funny because it's it's maybe the most arrogant thing you can do. I but mean, possible. But, like, but possible. So people have done it probably before and Oh yeah, and yeah. like a number of times. So yeah, anyways, yeah. that's what led to us opening our first chip truck which was Reggie's Hawk Rail. And then from there we just kind of continued on with the idea of opening like El Camino's has like the cam undertone because after we opened Reggie's, I kind of wanted a place that was named after me. So oh, that's where that name comes it. from. And then El we Caminos. Exactly. Oh, and then we thought we'd get a little bit more professional. And that's where Kettle Drums came from, which was like, I think, a name my brother-in-law came up with. But that's sort of the progression of, if you want to say, the, the genesis of, uh, of the, the cocoon or the incubation period that led into where we are now. So, so if I'm hearing you uh, and... and kind of interpreting this correctly it's it's always been driven by an element of sort of curiosity and fun i think everything in life should be driven by an element of curiosity but it is enough for everybody like a lot a lot of people are driven by like worry and anxiety and fear you know what i mean it's like i'm gonna keep going to work so that i don't get fired (laughs) no i I can't elaborate on that story because i i have had that conversation with like ex-girlfriends before but um but no, like that concept of fear, we've been fortunate enough where at this point in our lives, um, I think I have like an, a blind confidence in Reggie's uh, idea and opinion and things that it's, it's fun to kind of follow. And I mean, I guess we're more into the idea of daydreaming about something and then trying to turn it into like a reality rather than the fear of if we do that, what could happen? I mean, the absolute worst case scenario is that we moved back in with our parents, which gets us back to where we were. So I don't feel like I'm too far from there anyways, other than I do have my, <laughs> like I have my own house and I, I have all that stuff. But uh, I mean, I've, we've been lucky, but more importantly, I think the rewards outweigh the risks any day of the week. So it's like it it. fun. I don't know. Like out of that idea of like, just like laughing about something and trying to do it, I think is, is hilarious. And that's 90% of what I think about every day. So what was the moment? What was the moment for the chip truck that um, you said, fuck it, we're doing this? It's funny you mention that. I think that, I don't know if it, uh, some people talk about how it's kind of like a gradual thing where you like, you have like a, I don't want to, I guess have a real job and then you eventually uh, take on more and more work to the point where you're able to start your own company. Uh, for us, we didn't have jobs. And as I can only assume, a lot of people that have recently finished university understand the difficulty in finding that, oh, yeah. that career position. Well, I mean, you say around here, but I really feel anywhere you go, you're yeah. always like, you you finished with no like one this wants idea, to hire like, this, like yeah, this brand new green. Yeah, I'm like a university student. I took like finance. I know like accounting. I know all this stuff. I know how to market, but I don't really know anything that can be tangible for a company. 
excuse me, with the exception of critical thinking. So uh, for me, there was like that actual tangible moment where I was connected with a former boss of mine with a, uh, a headhunter head based out of Toronto. And it just so happened that I had a meeting with the headhunter at like, I think at, at sort of five o'clock. But then I had a meeting with the real estate agent that was selling the chip truck at seven. And I could, I could either go to Lakefield at seven <laughs> or Toronto at five. And uh, I ended up going to the Lakefield at seven and the rest is as they say history. But that was the tipping point for me, as Malcolm Gladwell would reference, was the idea to not necessarily take up, not examine the other option of becoming, becoming gamefully employed in a, an actual company and opening up a chip truck with a friend of mine. So I guess that's, that was what it was for me. Was that a difficult decision or was it like you just kind of knew in your heart? I can't even say it was like I knew in my heart. It was like, I, I think in a way I would have like preferred to hang out with a friend of mine than actually go to a meeting and pretend to be like more important than I actually was. Or so try it's, almost like a, it's almost like you're telling me about an authenticity thing. You felt authentically like I authentically want to be around my friend and be legitimate and be myself versus... I'll be honest, I, like when you say that, it, it definitely takes me back. I, I don't really look at it as authentic. It was more just like, I mean, wouldn't anybody rather hang out with their friends than like go to a, I don't know, I keep on thinking of like The Office where it, like, it looks like it's so much fun. They've got like water cooler talk and a company <laughs> expense account and a place where they can get like paper from or like their office supplies. And I'm sure it's really neat, but... And that would be a lot of fun, but the idea of hanging out with your, your buddies opposed to like doing that is gonna win, should win out every time unless you're unless you don't have very good friends. Yeah, which I would make that argument sometimes as well. But uh, I don't know. It's I guess in a way once again the the fun and the curiosity of it all. If it's authentic, it is. But more importantly, it's yeah. just like a really good time. For sure, and I mean like you've got the history now to look back on fondly and also to sort of build that momentum. Uh, I guess my next point of curiosity would just be, uh, was the chip truck an easy sort of, was it an uphill battle or was, did you find that you guys were doing good business right away? Well, it's weird. Um, when you say uphill battle, I mean, at any time you're like, like I said, I, I finished university and I have a finance degree. I I knew infinitely less than I know now, and even now I don't feel like I know really <laughs> enough to run a business. But uh, it's been fortunate for us. But um, it, I feel like when when people uh, see you're actually you know willing to learn and are interested in improving yourself and improving what you're trying to do, then they'll be so much more catering to what you're trying to do. And like we didn't really, I don't really feel like we did anything at all over the course of our business career that was in any way exceptional or even great. We were just fortunate <laughs> enough to meet a, a plethora of people that are incredible that were able to kind of tell us how to do this or how to do that. That whole concept of going to Home Depot and you can say, you can go to Home Depot and ask them to recommend a plumber or you can go to the plumbing section and be like, well, how do I put in a toilet? Then you pick up the stuff and you go home and you screw it up. And then you go back to the guy at the plumbing and you're like, well, now my toilet rocks. So and then you figure out another way. And then the second toilet you install is probably going to be 
also pretty crappy, but a little bit better and a little bit cheaper. And then you kind of build to the point where you can put in a, a toilet to a sub plumbing standard, but at least it flushes and water goes down. So that's kind of, I don't want to draw on. It sounds like, like your first toilet was like a recliner. Like it was, <laughs> well, like our, I just think of like our first chip truck was like, it, it was hilarious because it was kind of like, it was two like 26, 27 year old guys in this clubhouse that we like thought was like a kingdom. Like we called it like a mobile food service canteen, which is ridiculous. Cause it's just like, <laughs> it's a trailer with a hood vent and some charbroilers and like a, and deep fryer. But uh, everything that went on there, we learned essentially from asking everyone from accountants to lawyers, to chefs, to servers, to like the, the city, um, like all of the permit people probably hate us, but they were the greatest resources we could use because you just kept asking. Well, yeah, I mean the, the the health inspector was like, I almost want to bring him in. Or this sounds badly, but bring him in as like a partner because we were we had so many questions because we don't we didn't know anything, and we'd talk to him, and he'd. I mean, we had the book of how Reggie had his food safety, and I had my food safety, but like the actual the textbook to the functionality of all you get pretty lost and the health inspector and the fire inspector and all, like every inspector was more than willing to take time to actually oh, wow. teach us how to do things and so it was great that is a pretty empowering statement right there just the fact that uh, these inspectors which it's a word that carries its own sense of dread uh, for people and maybe not for people in the industry of starting restaurants but more so for people who uh, are thinking about starting something like that and then have those types of uh, mental barriers well the I mean the, I remember reading an art an article on entrepreneurship in the Toronto Star the year we opened and they talked about they had a pie graph of like things that seasoned uh, entrepreneurs or business people had kind of looked at as the biggest hiccups to opening up businesses and the sales were a, a big setback and or the sales weren't the number one concern and cash wasn't the number one concern which is usually what you expect when you want to start something it was more the the bureaucracy and uh, and, and the permitting process which can be a setback if you fight it but more importantly if you want to swim with the water and for us it was like the health inspector would show up and be like this is great i've got like 16 questions i gotta ask about oh, wow. things we want to try yeah. and whether or not we can do it or not so like literally we wouldn't be where we are without every like building health inspector even the contractors that we worked with and most importantly the staff we worked with like i think we've got some some incredible staff i mean to this day it terrifies me to think that we're uh, not terrified it's relieving to know that what they can do is far better than anything I can do. So I sleep easy, know I'm working with the team that I get to work with rather than trying to like fight against it, so to speak. So uh, I guess the point of what I was trying to say is that any, any obstacle or hurdle is only as big as, as you're willing to make it. I mean, sure. anything can work. And if I you can uh, go up to that obstacle or hurdle and then ask it how to climb itself and then it shows you. Oh. Well, it's hilarious it because, you. <laughs> because we had like an idea of how we want of how we thought it was supposed to be done. And so it, we we're like, you know, we're not going to be able to do this. It's going to cost this amount of money. You know, this is going to, this is going to bury us. And then we go to an inspector and we're like, well, like how, this is what we think we're going to do. And he's like, well, why are you guys spending so money trying so much money trying to do it this way? You can do it this way and it'll yield like the result similar to what you're looking for. Um, and you won't, have to spend or you can't spend the money anyways because you don't have it so you won't have to spend that money anyway so like i said they would definitely like work with us in in great ways so 
So on the topic of, uh, this is probably going to be a question of money on the topic of money. Mm -hmm. Did you save up a block of money and then try to, was, was McThirsty's first or was, um, well, the, the, it's kind of a strange process, uh, like from the when we bought the chip truck to uh, or to when we opened up this place. Okay. Uh, like how did we finance the whole process? And maybe just to do a quick uh, canvassing of the businesses that you're involved in around Peterborough. Okay. I don't know all of them, obviously. Uh, well, no, we just have the two and then we kind of have some side projects that we work on. But um, So Kettle Drums, El Caminos, um, Thursdays. So, oh, well, basically it was uh, Reggie's Hawk Rail, okay. um, which was our first chip truck. Gotcha. And the way we got into that was essentially Reggie and I, upon finishing university, we traveled, uh, we worked traveled for about, I want to say a year to a year and a half. Um, and I ended up working in Japan for a year and was able to save up money. And he saved up money to the point where we had like, like really like I think 15 grand like something in the neighborhood was our opening budget and we put a down payment on the chip truck and we financed the rest of it and we kind of did a combination of uh, financing for the first part and then after we finished our first year we were able to use our cash flow to purchase another chip truck amazing and then, yeah no it was really cool and then um, we got introduced to I don't know if you've heard of them um, a visa with a really high credit limit. I have not. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty cool, and um, we were able to put a lot of stuff, pretty much everything, on our visa for our second year. And then we, when we we opened our second year, we were kind of living in like a van okay. by Walmart. Yeah. And then we moved to actually a one bedroom apartment uh, or one room in a in an apartment unit at Fleming Place. Right on. And we had the two chip trucks going. Unfortunately, our second year um, was successful, so we were able to pay off our visa. <laughs> <All that credit. laughs> it's like this stupid, like when I say it out loud, it's just like that's really dumb, like <laughs> taking a high-yield uh, loan from a visa, which is coming in at like 18% right. in order to like buy the food to put in your chip truck and buy refrigerators and stuff. But that's what we did, and it worked out. And, and it's then, better than not doing it at all. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, in hindsight, that's terrifying. What was I thinking? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it worked out. And then we were able to buy um, a, a building on eighty on any city at 89 Hunter Street. And in our third year, we opened up uh, Reggie's Hot Grill, which, is our, uh, which was our first standalone restaurant. And then from there, um, during the purchasing process, uh, after our first year... Um, I guess it was our fourth year, I think. It might have been our fifth year. We opened up El Caminos, and we were able to sort of parlay uh, what we'd done with the other two companies into, with the other two shops, into, uh, into El Caminos. And we ended up getting like a favorable tax return in a time when we were trying to decide whether or not to go ahead with El Caminos or not. And then we just did the same thing with our, our visas. <laughs> it worked out <laughs> as well. And then after that, we uh, we sold those two, and that's when we got into uh, these two operations. Right on. So that's kind of the quick Cole's notes of our, our financing scheme. And we've worked with other lending institutions now that have, are a little bit more open-minded to what we're trying to do. The uh, CFTC, the Community Futures Development Corporation, yep. has been like, un like fantastic. Uh, obviously, we're a customer of theirs, and um, and they've supported us through seminars and, and even in a customer base and financially as well, along with the uh, Business Development Bank of Canada, are both two fantastic resources for people who are self-employed. 
uh, they were actually looking to, and I, it's funny that I say this now because I haven't actually sent off the confirmation, but we're looking to work with a few consultants from the uh, Business Development Bank of Canada that are doing some really cool stuff. And they're, they're like the like the self-employed resource center. Like really? I, I was talking to one, like our, our rep there that about how um, the concept of branding a, a restaurant or branding anything, which is where I feel like kind of every business, but where we are kind of specifically with our company right now, uh, the branding is really difficult and is a little bit past what I really, um, I guess, know about in terms or what I've really been able to kind of lock down. So uh, we're looking forward to working with some people in that accord and kind of get it, uh, get it sorted out. So nice. that's kind of what we're working on right now. So are, are there, is so is this an expansion into another restaurant that we're looking at or are you at liberty to discuss the other projects that you're working on? I've kind of taken on a side project of doing uh, stand-up comedy in the Toronto area oh, and I, I also do a little bit of acting um, on different commercials and stuff. So really? I, what commercials? Um, my big break breakout is I, uh, I was the guy in the elevator on Fresh Radio. Okay. And... Um, is this on YouTube? Can people... Uh, yeah, it's actually... It used to be featured on, on YouTube and Facebook. You can YouTube Fresh Radio. It's the radio ad. It's also on TV. Nice. It t they typically use the same ad for all... Um, I'm trying to think. All Fresh Radio uh, companies throughout Ontario. So there's the Hamilton. Um, I think it's like 101.3. Uh, there's Peterborough 101.5. And, uh, and everything that's a part of Chorus Media. So that's what the, the commercial's used for. And that's my big one. I was in a, uh, a TD Bank commercial, and um, I was also in a Union Gas commercial, but I think they're aired on the West Coast, so okay. they're not as prominent. And then, sure I, they are. <laughs> no, and then the, the funny thing is, is I yesterday I found out I booked a. a I really got to tell the whole story before there's any response. Yeah. I found out I booked a Visa commercial, which was going to be uh, pretty significant. It was a, a re, it was like an, a national uh, commercial and. It was pretty exciting, and then it turned out that the client was looking for somebody with a different look than myself. So, over the span of two hours, I found out I was going to be on a na nationwide commercial, and then found out I wasn't going to be. It was a little <laughs> bit heartbreaking, but uh, I suppose that's the the thick skin you need with the industry. So, yeah. uh, how I, did you get into this? What was the? Um, uh, it's funny. I was I was running trivia on, and I as I to overplug it uh, on Monday nights around nine thirty ish. Nice. And it just so happened that there's a local, um, uh, I guess talent agent um, with Strut Central um, that is also located I guess they have two offices one in Peterborough and one in Markham and um, so yeah they asked me if I'd be interested in actually having like a portfolio and representation and so they I signed up with them and now I, I gone to a few, I go to a, about an audition uh, roughly one to two a week and I, I really booked, that many yes and I in I Toronto primarily uh, pretty well all in Toronto, um, which is a lot of fun because it's like six hours of driving for like a minute and a half of work. And what are these auditions like? Um, it's, honestly, it's as close to be like I'm a non-union actor, so it's as close to uh, being like a part of cattle as, as, or being a human cattle as possible. It's just weird because I don't know if I think it's like the Charlie Brown Christmas where you see like all the different Santas and there's like the tall Santa, the short Santa, the okay. skinny Santa, the fat Santa, the sure. like old Santa, young Santa. It's like that concept only you'll go for say a role of guy in blue business suit. And so there's like a uh, light blue suit, dark blue suit, tall guy, short guy, old guy, young guy. And you're just like, well, this is the room. So uh, that's basically what the auditions are like. And do you have lines? 
Um, yeah, I, I actually, the Visa commercial, I actually would have had lines, which would have been cool as well. Instead of just uh, sort of being in a yeah. position. It's, it's called uh, SOC, or silent on camera, which is what I typically get cast in. But uh, the Visa, or the TD commercial, I had um, like a, a page and a half of dialogue, which was pretty wild. And the, um, the Union Gas, I had, I think it was something like, like four or five pages of dialogue. So it was pretty wild. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So all I, out I do of get, trivia, all out of uh, Monday uh, night. However, I mean, trivia. it's like anything. It's the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. So I, um, I recently finished a course with Louis Beaumonder, uh, School of Acting, based out of Toronto. So that's why I can start trivia again because the course was on Monday nights, and I, I kind of look at it as a part-time hobby that I try and, um, I guess, be as professional and, and look at it like it's a, an actual career job. So. So, um, how does stand-up comedy fit into this? Um, stand-up comedy, and like I, I think everybody likes to laugh, is just another thing that I really in, enjoy to do. I think everybody likes to be the self-center of attention, so the trivia turned into stand-up comedy, and then, unfortunately, there aren't a lot of open mics in Peterborough, but there are a lot in Toronto, so I can go into Toronto, and because I'm there so often, I'll go and I'll do a few sets at different places. Like Rivoli or? Um, I'm really not that established. So the places I go to are like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. They're like, they're great places. I feel like if, I don't want to say anything badly. Like they're, you know, great. They're just smaller. Res smaller yeah, they're skin. smaller. They're more reserved. They've got a lot more culture. Okay. <laughs> Some okay. places are, you know, you want to lock your car. Yep. <laughs> you know, I, you know, don't carry too much cash on you kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I mean, it's but just enough so that it doesn't make anybody angry when they bother to rob you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like traveling. You want to have a robbable amount. I carry so many American ones on me. It's not even funny. And that's <laughs> that not because like I'm tons. It's just like, here's a handful. Dude, there you go. <laughs> the guy's got seven bucks. But, uh, but no, I mean, so the different places I go are a little bit less L not as well known, but um, I'm hoping to start working with uh, a few other people and we're trying to get into some of the better known clubs. So I don't know, that's kind of... As kind of an ensemble of... Yes, an ensemble of, if you will. So three to five. <laughs> you, you get all of us for the price of... Exactly. You know, it's bargaining power, if anything, for, you know, a, a non-tangible asset to make it overly business-like. But at yeah. the end of the day, nice. you say you drop a few words like that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I don't know. Like I said, it's a hobby that I have fun doing. So, and I'm kind of take the approach where you're either, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound sort of mentality. So, I've been trying to slowly build my portfolio of stand up and also. Do you have videos on, do you have like a YouTube channel that people could uh, um, look you up with? I don't actually have a YouTube channel. I usually just post stuff to Cam's Trivia. So, I just put together. And this is on Facebook? Yep. Okay. I, I just put together a really low end uh, commercial. Nice. Essentially, when I can afford to buy microphones, it will have better sound. And when I can afford to buy lights, it'll have better lighting. So that's kind of my warning right there. Uh -huh. And I'm now, fortunately, working with an editor, which makes life a little bit easier. So Good. prior to that, I was writing, directing, acting, and editing, yep. which I know it sounds not very much, but it's it a lot turns out to take... <laughs> I, was, I was like, this will be like an afternoon turnaround. I'll film something. And the next thing I know, I've kind of got like two or three weeks invested in it when I hoped it would be a lot quicker, but... Yeah, I know what you mean on video and just, yeah, editing it, anything. It, it's so hilarious. It takes forever. Like, I, one of the, the lessons for me where I learned that was uh, I, I built a surfboard and I filmed each step of it and I put it together in this highlight reel montage of mm -hmm. surfboard uh, being built. And then I sat down to edit it and it took a couple days and I finally was like, wow, 
it's done. It took about 10 hours. That's a lot of time editing. And my wife laughed and she said, like, you've probably been at this for 40 hours. Like, that's the crazy thing because you, like, the other thing that really blew my mind is you take for granted when you watch a movie, like, the scenes you watch. Like, how do you cut? How do you film that? I mean, what, you've just got a scene in your head and this is how it's going to play out. And people, like, how do you tell the story using a camera lens? And, you know, when are you going to, when do you want to fade so that it's dramatic opposed to it just being tacky and overused? Yeah. And there's, like... It's, it, the answer's simple, man. It's Star Wipe. Star, I was going to say, it's funny because there's like, there's two fades that you can actually use if you want to be respected. And then there's about 25 that are like star wipe and there's like the checkerboard. Yeah. It's like, I can't use this for anything. Like, why nope. do they have this here? It's got to be like four or five different wipes that are just like reputable, presentable, you know, respectable. So is it just like fade to black? Pretty well. No, I can't do fade it to back black because I haven't figured out how to fade to black on my editing software. <laughs> uh, it's fade to green right now. I'm not even kidding. So it's like, like expecting you to have like some kind of scene that, well, like a green room kind of thing or? I'm, I'm not sure. I know that I wanted to fade to dialogue. Yep. And at first I wanted to fade to dialogue over top of a freeze frame of the final scene. That's how it played out in my head, which would make sense. Yep. And after trying for it for 45 minutes, I was like, fade to green it is. <laughs> and I was able to fit the, most of the dialogue I wanted to on the screen. So that's where I'm going with that. Nice. The worst was when I like, tried to actually upload it. The uploading the material took me probably two hours to figure out. Because I'm a slow learner. So what, I'll go do you with that. what are you editing in? Um, the Adobe Premiere. Okay. That's apparently the, yeah, the that's easiest. The thing to do. Yeah. That's the one that everybody uses. Yeah. I have the worst of the best cameras. Okay. So I've got it's got high def with like an actual mic and a headphone pickup. Okay. But it's a really small. Like it looks like the kind of camera you win in like those claw games. Okay. That yeah. like you put in like six bucks and then you end up dropping the iPhone, but you still won like a napkin. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's what my camera looks like. Apparently it's HD. I couldn't tell you that much. And I don't know how to. I I posted the video after I learned how to edit out sound. Okay. <laughs> so I've got a, another video I'm hoping to get uh, filmed tonight, um, and I'm hoping to post in the next few days. And the trick of the trade now is that I'm trying to focus predominantly on using daylight and uh, s no sound so that I can get away from my mic and my lighting situation. Amazing. <laughs> it's a grassroots uh, film company, if you will, essentially. <laughs> I was really looking forward to the Visa commercial because the money I made from that I could have put into the film company, but that's going to have to go on hold since I don't have the look they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why I say side projects that I'm afraid to talk about because yeah. they're super pathetic. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean... I love it. Yeah, it, it, it keeps me busy at uh, between 12 and 3 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> no. which is a window when I don't have a lot of stuff going on anyway, so yeah. it's pretty fun. Oh, speaking of sound editing, I'm hoping that I these know. mics are good enough. I was sold on the quality that they have uh, baked into them where they ex they really exclude all of the peripheral And it's kind of like a, a shotgun mic, if you will. Yeah. yeah. I've been researching on Kijiji stuff. <laughs> I don't know if you're looking to get rid of any sound equipment at all, but just let me know because I'm in the market <laughs> sure. for the 50 to uh, $30 range. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's too bad I just gave away a lapel mic that you could have really used. Oh, you're killing me. Yeah. I've heard that, I'm not kidding, from about three different people. They were like, yeah, yeah I had one. I never used it. Gave yeah. it away. Gave it to my brother. He doesn't use it now. Well, <laughs> when he's done with it, then I won't use it. So, okay. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, I feel, I'm sorry, I feel badly I haven't got you a beer yet or anything. I, uh, yeah, it's called Pints of Peterborough. We've just crushed two pints of water. I know. Um, but that's okay because I really upset my stomach earlier in the week. I don't know what it was, but it was like one of those travel style flu, like 24 hour flus. 
Uh, so usually I've been, 72 for me, but... Uh, yeah, a little longer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get into like it. Just like being in Peru and just things being liquid and just bad oh. all over. And just, yeah. Very graphic. Very graphic. Alrighty. Uh, Randy listens to this podcast. He's a buddy of mine works at the Star. He coined the term tapas, which is kind of like the, the cuisine, tapas, but it's a, <laughs> I guess in this situation, a noun <laughs> or a combination with an action that uh, results from food poisoning. Well, I, th- I think the argument of tapas can be a noun, but can also be, I guess, the verb of how the food's prepared. So it all falls under <laughs> the same umbrella, if you ask me. I don't know. But uh, oh. I'm sorry to hear that. And Yeah, uh, so I think the water, I'll stick to the water. It's fine for now. Maybe right. we'll do a repeat episode where uh, I can drink the beer and it be an authentic pints of Peterborough Drink like a, like make up for it. Make so then by the it, end yeah. it's just like slurred words. It's going to be a lot of editing just oh, to yeah. like recut re-cut There's got to be a filter for that in GarageBand where you just like, you tell the filter how drunk you were or how many beers it was and it like just times it and fixes the slur as you go. I thought of like an opposite for that for Instagram but I, I think apparently it's going to be way too difficult where <laughs> it it's like this is what I look like but I want to look like um, somebody was looking at me that's had six pints. Oh. So then it can, you know, all of a sudden the features get tightened up a little bit. I mean, every an associated bank account could go along. Like, <laughs> I look like a millionaire. I had had about 16 shots. So, yeah. you know, you fade it down to just a regular guy in a dirty white t-shirt and uh, chef pants. But uh, There's probably an app for that. I just well, if not, I'm actually, someone will make I have one of our uh, line cooks or uh, one of uh, the guys that I get to work with at McThirsty's is working on an app that I'd love to plug for. If I could. Yeah, go for it. It's uh, it's Bieberfy, which is essentially when you're listening to Justin Bieber on your phone, but you don't want people to know you're listening to it, <laughs> you can change the uh, the jewel casing. So it'll look like you're listening to Led Zeppelin, but you're just rocking out to Bieber or Selena Gomez. I mean, it, it's Bieberfy because I feel like that's the most applicable. But uh, yeah, look for that on iTunes. Is this like a confession in disguise? or? Well, I'm not, I'm not ashamed <laughs> of the music I listen to, but more importantly, if I'm at the gym, I don't want people to think that I'm listening to like you know, well, Justin Bieber opposed to the heavy metal punk of all I can think of is Metallica. Yeah, I don't I know. I should listen. I should look into more research of this or classic rock yeah. Led Zeppelin. Yeah, we're in the classic rock, like capital of Ontario for sure. I think so, well, country. We're definitely in the uh, the rye alcohol fan. I think that Peterborough's predominant drink in my experience, but you would know for sure. I mean, in, in my research, in your <laughs> yes, research, yeah. But I don't know what that kind of paints the picture of the city of Peterborough. Yeah, also very very kind and very supportive people as well. Okay, so that's a fun... We're gonna, we'll are gonna do some outro questions. What are, so if Peterborough is allowed to have... Uh, and I want to include sort of the factor that it is an eclectic community. Yes. So three drinks that Peterborough gets to order. Oh, well, the, the problem is, is I'd, I'd say the three drinks would be a Ryan Diet, a Ryan Coke, and a Ryan Ginger. <laughs> um, if I was going to alter it a little bit, I would probably say... All three of those would be one. Coors Light. And then... Delirium. Delirium. To illustrate the, the, uh, uh, the variety that, that Peterborough has to offer. Are we talking about the Delirium, uh, the, ele- the Pink Elephant? And yeah, the Delirium, Pink Elephant. Which delirium is, Tremens. It's a delicious, uh, delicious pint with, <laughs> with an 8% alcohol content, so it's closer to a glass of wine. But, uh, yeah. but still, that, I think that would be my, my three drinks. Okay. Uh, next question. That was kind of my... Your go-to. My go-to there. Oh, that's the first time I've actually asked that one. I could do one that I haven't asked in a number of episodes. Uh, 
say there's some screw up at City Hall and on paper you're you're the actual mayor with full authority to do whatever you want for a day, make permanent changes, whatever it is, what would you do? Well, that's a terrifying concept to say the least. Um, as He's much rubbing as, his hands maniacally so like, right now. As much as they love me at town hall, at City Hall, I think it would, it would just involve a lot more street festivals. Essentially, the like the infamous restaurant district would be walking traffic only. Ooh. I don't know if you've been to, there's like a cobblestone restaurant scene in Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, That I is guess. really cool. And uh, to adopt adopt or adapt adopt something like that into Peterborough would be fantastic okay. I think that would be a, a big move but to get it done in a day would be a would be a <laughs> lot of work I think it, taxes would go up afterwards you just spray paint the cobblestone on and just call it a that's what I thought it was anyways I mean it rains and they got to reapply but you know it's it's a scene it's it's like Walt Disney World you know on the front everything looks fantastic but then you scrape a little bit below the surface and it's just you know a few empty Tim Hortons cups and some, uh, and some cobwebs. <laughs> oh, it's but. terrible. And if we're talking about Hess and Hamilton, you scrape below the surface and it's a whole bunch of Axe body spray and, uh, and like, strange steroids that people are doing to before the bar. And I don't spray know. tan. Yeah, I, spray tan. I've only, I've only been there once. I went after a wedding, and unfortunately I don't remember enough of it other than the fact that I was like, it's just really, it was a really fun scene. But at the time I was probably, I had too much product in my hair and was wearing Axe body spray. in really nicely. Oh, man, you have no idea. <laughs> right. Well, thanks so much for being no, on the show, No, thank you so Cameron. much. It was great to, uh, great to be associated. And I'm sorry, I'm not, I hate to run, but I'm just going to go inside and uh, get some things sorted. So, Absolutely. Uh, if you need anything else, uh, please let me know. Right on. And for all those listeners at home, please remember to rate, subscribe, and attend the Monday night 9.30-ish at McThirsty's Trivia. You get to see a real-life commercial uh, film star, uh, (laughs) stand-up comedian, and all other types of wonderful awesomeness. Have a good evening. Goodbye.